Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. Check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code UNDERMINE for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code UNDERMINE for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year, and to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Osiris. Welcome to season four, episode 27 of the Undermine podcast by Osiris Media. That means we're more than halfway done with this season, which is sad, but it's also great because it means that we're smack in the middle of the meat where we want to be. I'm Tom Marshall, your host, as we revisit and relive Fish's famous Fall 97 tour. And we're going to dive into each show from now on this season on the 25th anniversary of when it was played. Today's co-host has been a part of Undermine since season two and a part of the fish community since before there were podcasts. Please welcome Benji Eisen. Hi, Benji. Hello, Tommy G. <laughs> That's me. Um, are you, you know, you're Timmy too. You're, you're Tommy G. Um, <laughs> are your, uh, are your eyes feeling tired? Are your nose light? Okay, look, that was a stretch, but um, tonight's show is a little bit of a sleeper, or it, it will be once more people discover, you know, as legendary as Fall 97 is, we have to remember that back when the, the tour was unfolding in real time, it was before we had pocket downloads and we could just, you know, hit up live fish the next day. Um, it's easy now to listen to every note that fish plays 
with an hour within hours of fish playing it uh you know I, that's what i do i don't miss a note anymore so i'm very thankful for that evolution but in 1997 when tape trading was the analog version of a social network you really had to pick and choose you know so unless there was a lot of heat on the show like november 17th in denver or the hampton run worcester you know all of which we we get to um not every show was like even heard so this feels like this is one of those ones that got away, got unfairly skipped over. 25 years later, it's a, it's a gift. Let's crack it open. Let's see what secrets it holds. Um, but first of all, let's remember that this was just the second night of the Fall 97 tour, a Friday night in Utah, right after the Vegas opener and right before the Denver run. Don't you have anything else that you have to say, Benji? Uh, not really. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah. Okay. So second of all, <laughs> if you're enjoying what we're doing on the show, then please consider supporting our new Osiris premium offering. Uh, you can join it for just a couple bucks a month. You will get bonus episodes of HF pod and undermine. You get ad free episodes, access to the full archival under the scales catalog discounts on Osiris merch, meet and greets, AMAs, the opportunity to guest on our shows. Um, and you get all that, but when you go, let's see, uh, I think you have to check out osirispod.com backslash premium, or to make it easy, you can just click on the link in the show notes. And is there a third of all, Benji? There's a third ball. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so yes, of course. Uh, look, you know, we all have a lot of memories of these Fall 97 shows, whether we can remember them or not. Um, it's not... <laughs> really fair for us to just share our stories without hearing yours. And, uh, and we can do that. We want you to do, to do that. Um, if you can make a one minute that is 60 seconds or less video clip, telling your tale, weighing your way, dropping your two cents, post them on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, tag Osiris pod. And we will choose a contributor at random who will win. Um, a handwritten copy of the lyrics to Ghost from our friend Tom Marshall. Not necessarily; uh, I, they'll be handwritten, but maybe not by my hand. <laughs> no, well, they're, you know, they're by my hand. <laughs> uh, I do have to say that if your last name is Anastasio, Gordon, Fishman, or McConnell, you may be disqualified from winning. But we encourage <laughs> your submissions just the same. <laughs> uh, okay, Tom, it's finally that time. We are here. We are uh, in Salt Lake City, I guess. So tell us about our guest today. All right, I will. I'm going to bring in Dom from the waiting room. Today's guest is Dom DeLuca. Dom is one of our friends who reached out to us because he was at, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Dom, every Fall 97 stop, including his 100th show. He's seen more than 400 total and counting, which makes it little surprise that his title is the events and marketing director for Hedy. New Jersey, a cannabis media company where Dom is also a partner. So uh, Dom, I'm in New Jersey and I got to check out your place. Where is it? Um, it's an online media business, so you don't have to go and you can check it out right now. HeadyNJ.com. But we do, we do a bunch of um, events and we're doing one in South Jersey pretty soon, actually, but we do marketing events, sponsorships. And we've been, we've been we've been in the game before, you know, legalization. We've been advocating for that and homegrown and all that. So, wonderful. And, 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 
anybody watching this or anybody listening to this can't see, but anybody watching this on YouTube will be able to see that, that Dom is actually ripping the gear as well. And I, and I got all my stubs from 97. Oh, wow. Except you, Tom. Oh, wow. <laughs> Why don't you have the Utah stub? I don't have Vegas either. I don't know. The couple didn't make it. I, <laughs> I was well, there, though. Well, aside, apart from that, the very impressive uh, ticket stub handful that we just saw. Um, Dom, <laughs> welcome to Undermine. But, and before we start talking about this particular night, um, can you give us a little context for your context? When did you start seeing fish and how many shows had you seen in 97 leading up to this particular one? Well, I first heard of them around 92 in high school in northern, northern New Jersey. Everybody was going... Uh, going to concerts around there. They were pretty big. And they, were, they went to the Horde Tour because Blues Traveler and Spin Doctors were really big around Jersey, as you know, Tom. Yep. So I went to my first show finally two nights before Benji, 1229-93, where the oh. stage was a fish tank. And yeah. I, I thought the same as him. I thought it was going to be like that every night. <laughs> That's when I got there. But it wasn't. But it was an amazing show. Runaway gym opener, just like Utah. Um so yeah, it's 1229-93. And then cool. leading up, I saw a bunch of room from the Beacon, Sugar Bush 94, which is one of my favorites of all time. A lot in 95. I saw mostly all of 96, fall and summer, which was a lot. And wow. then 97, I saw every summer one. I got shut out of the Burlington show. I was up there, but I couldn't get in. Remember for the fish fish food? Yeah, oh, yeah. The fun beer. yeah, I couldn't get in, but I saw every summer show and every fall. That was like the only year I saw every, all of them. I don't know how or why, but I picked a good one. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> nice. You know, I, I'm glad you gave us that context because, you know, fish started going, it's something we've been talking about a lot on, on the show. Um, they started going into this, you know, funkier direction at the start of 97 in Europe. I, I mean, I guess really back in October. Of Halloween. The, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, the talking yeah. heads. Uh, and then, you know, it, it, to me at the time, it was kind of, it was subtle anavert. Like you realized it, but you know, 97 is when the funk went full bloom until the cows came home. So, <laughs> um, at the time, as it was unfolding, did it seem to you like all of a sudden we were watching a different band than, than they were in 1996? Yeah. A lot of people say that, but a lot of people also, you know, 96 is very underrated because it's sandwiched between December 95 and then, you know, 97. But there were some amazing moments. You know, like you said, we didn't really see that cow funk a little bit, a little like Halloween and stuff. But it was definitely a, a different monster for sure. I mean, the summer tour was phenomenal, too. We got, you know, Deer Creek, Walnut, what, Walnut Creek. Yeah, that was some amazing stuff. You know, we, all, all the creeks. Yeah, they were all they were all all pretty good. And when it was unfolding, did you really think like, wow, this is amazing? No, I mean it was all pretty amazing. I thought they destroyed America in '94, but <laughs> I mean, right? I don't know. Just, they, they destroyed they, me in '94. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, so so you know, I, I, to me, it, when it was happening, did I say, wow? No, I just thought it was a regular night. I mean, every night was great. That's why it's I weird. kept going. I guess you know, that's why I kept. I wouldn't have went if I didn't think they were destroying America. They kept they kept rebuilding America, and then fish kept coming back and destroying it. It's sort of sort of mean of them in a way. So, all right, you start the tour in Las Vegas the night before, which was twenty five yeah. years ago yesterday. Uh, do you remember anything about your journey from there to the E Center in West Valley City, Utah? Oh, 
Um, well, actually, I, I remember I'm going to say this one thing. I, t- I took a Greyhound to Las Vegas from New York City with a guy I met at the Wetlands. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It was a crazy experience. We took a Greyhound to Las Vegas. I had a backpack. I had two shirts. One was a Mo shirt. And everybody was calling me Mo on that tour. I was like, oh, my God. I can't believe that. I'm glad that didn't stick. But so I, <laughs> I, I do remember going to Utah. It was cold and rainy. And I don't think there was much of a lot like in 97. I was there in 98 for Dark Side and Moon. There wasn't anything there either that night. Hmm. Um, but there wasn't much of a lot. Uh, inside, I could barely remember, to be honest with you. Not, I can't really remember much of the inside of that show. But no, that, it was cold and rainy. And, and it was probably a pretty easy ticket. If, if Utah 98 was half empty, I can't imagine 97 being, you know, any more <laughs> than that. Yep. And with this, with the same routing, you know, Dom, you and I have uh, have dozens, actually, you know, maybe even hundreds of of friends in common, <laughs> many of whom we were just meeting for the first time around this time. Yeah, you know, the, the, the fish scene was really, to borrow a, a phrase, Tom. Sorry, but the fish fa- scene was really expanding exponentially. Uh, <laughs> you know, they were they were two years into being an arena band. Uh, crews were kind of crewing up. So, Dom, how would you describe? You know, the social element of the fish scene at this time, how is it different for kids just getting into it these days? How is it different today than it was back then? Um, like back then, like 97 is when we saw, like 95, you did see the people that came from the Dead Tour. They were just there for that. Like they were definitely on at the end of 95 and 96. But 97, we saw like the, the people that came out of 97 are still, like a lot of the people are still on. Like there was like a lot of the diehard, you know, I was meeting a lot of people from California and all that. And, you know, the shake, shakedown wasn't like it is now. Now it's like you walk out there and it's small business, like Haven, everyone's got, they got brands and everything. It's like a small business mall out there. Back then we had a cooler of Sammy Smith and that was it. <laughs> and maybe, uh, we had two shirts, Be Good Family, remember them and Seedless. You know, we had two brands, but now it's a lot different. Now it's more like a business and crazy grilled cheeses are ten dollars they were a dollar back then (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome people people were into i feel like there was more people on tour back then for some reason i don't know why but maybe it's bigger but i feel like the hallways we had like hundreds of people in the hall and stuff it was crazy maybe because it was smaller it felt bigger (laughs) yeah maybe you know but i feel like a lot of people got older and have you know are doing stuff they're not on every show we were at every show so that's awesome. And uh, you said you didn't remember much about the venue, but I'm trying to think like, you know, the band obviously enjoyed playing there uh, because the next time, as you said, they they returned there and they played Dark Side of the Moon and yeah, you went to that. that, but neither show sold out. So maybe maybe they were like figuring that they it's it's in the wrong place on the map or something. Do you think that was it? They, exp- <laughs> they experimented twice and then they stopped playing there? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know what happened. I mean, like I said, '98, I was on the floor and it was half empty. They couldn't even give tickets away to that one, so I don't know what, why they went back there twice. But I mean, '98 was amazing, so you know, they're both amazing shows. That's the one. That's the uh, you snooze, you lose. The ultimate you snooze, you lose. I walked out of there. I remember just like what just happened. I couldn't call anybody because there was no cell phone. I was like, whoa. And I had a friend. We drove to the show. He was too tired from from being in Vegas from the Halloween night. And he's like, I'm going to stay in the car. Then we got out to the car. He's like, what did they play? (laughs) You wouldn't believe it. (laughs) It's 
it's funny too because you're saying the floor was so you know half empty and all this and yet at the same time if you could tell people what it was that they're about to see it may, it may be like the most in-demand fish ticket yeah they would have left vegas they would have like left the hang the hangover they had and all that but, well yeah. you know we should probably talk some about the, the music you know i i like the show it, it's really good but uh we've got to do better than that and more in-depth ways of saying that when we come back we are going to go to a quick little commercial break, so stick around. Hey, listeners, I want to tell you about one of our great partners, DistroKid. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keeping 100% of their royalties and earnings. If you're a musician and looking to get your music out there, DistroKid is the way to go. DistroKid is available for iOS and Android and is now available in Apple's App Store and the Google Play Store. More than a million artists rely on DistroKid to get their music onto Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all other major streaming services. And with DistroKid, you can upload new releases, see your financial progress, get notified when you've earned royalties, withdraw money from the app, view and share links, check your streaming stats, and a whole lot more. DistroKid has more features than any other music distributor. Check them out today. Go to distrokid.com, that's distrokid with a capital K, dot com slash VIP slash undermine for a special offer only for our listeners. That's distrokid, capital K, dot com slash VIP slash undermine. Thanks, distrokid. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind, uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little... A little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. And my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick, and usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work, but we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics... Um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot and listen to Axe Grind Podcast. We hope you stuck around because if you didn't and you're still hearing this, something's off. But anyway, Dom, uh, set one is just a phenomenally played set. It opens traditionally with the Runaway Jam, but by the second song, Gumbo, we're already in a new territory for the band. Mike Gordon is... Uh, just really leaning into the 97 sound and uh, just a couple of my uh, observations maze is unfinished 2001 is stretched out and antelope is kind of the peak what are your set one highlights i mean that gumbo is, is there a better gumbo i mean I, I couldn't tell you that was that was when it really started to come You're like woof mike was slapping that bass real hard and fish fishman was pretty in the pocket too that show and i listened to it again he was he was Destroying it, but definitely the gumbo, you know, the Gaiute, they dedicated to Paul Languedoc. If you heard oh, that, yeah. the yeah. he liked he liked whistling, or what, that's what he said at the end. It was a pretty, pretty high energy antelope with the whistling once again. But I have to give it to 
the gumbo. I mean, that's that's definitely the highlight of the set. That's that's where I started to come, and that funk got in there. No question. No question. That's definitely when you realize that this, it's like the, the it's second show in too. It's kind of like they're setting the attention, like this is going to be our fingerprint. <laughs> so let, let's jump right into the second set. It's uh, it's one of those, you know, there's this legendary, or uh, this legend of the, the four song second set. And this is one of them because uh, it has four songs. Um, so Wolfman sets the tone right off the bat with a little bit more of a laid back groove than usual. And yeah. then, uh, and then you have the two new songs, which you know, Piper into Twist, uh, new meaning they were debuted earlier uh, that year, that summer. So, what what were your thoughts on the new material? I mean, what the Piper and the Twist, Piper, I loved. I mean, especially that that Piper with the slower intro with the build up. I mean, that that is my favorite. That when they used to do that one, so I, I was loving that. Because where, where did they deb- debut that in Europe? I think so, right? So yeah, I mean that that reminds it reminds, yeah, reminds me of all that. Like that that Piper was very slow build up. Fishman and Trey were just feeding off each other, and everyone's coming in. And Paige is absolutely crushing it. Twist is really good. Twist is probably like the meatiest of the set of when I listen to it again. I mean, it's, it's no, everyone loves the Nassau one or whatever, or the one from the Island Tour is like the big one. But this, this is a contender for sure. It's definitely one, one of the best ones I've heard. And then Slave to the Traffic Light, that is like 15 or 16 minutes of pure bliss. One of my favorite ones, where it's just 
it just go. I mean, it's, it's, it flows so smoothly. So I mean, that it's like floating on a cloud. I listened to it again last night. I was like, wow, that that's one of one of the best renditions. I mean, it was only fifty five minutes that second set. It's pretty short. You know, uh, that's the secret of the four song second sets is that sometimes they're short sets, but but because they did everything they needed, you know, that slave is like you said is one of the best slaves, uh, you know, out it there. is. I mean, is, I can't, there is probably a better one of them, or and that's good, but at the fourth, there's also four songs on my hunter show, 11 19, like three nights later. So I guess there was a couple of them. I must have heard more four song second sets, but this it's just flowed like so perfect. You didn't really need anything more than that, right? Tom. Tom, I know that it's your turn to ask Dom a question, but uh, I'm sorry. Before we continue, I have to ask you a question, actually. Um, kind of the same thing we were just talking about, but from a different angle. Because, uh, you know, we were talking about the Piper and the Twist being 1997 songs. You wrote the lyrics to both of those. Um, so I know, you know, you, you said in the past that when you, sometimes when you first hear Fish perform one of your songs live, that the music can kind of surprise you. Was that the case with these two? Um, well, definitely to distinguish between the two, there's almost like two opposite sides of the coin. So like Piper was really a Trey guitar, like the Nanza. He was just sort of like came up with this riff and these four chords or three chords, whatever it is, and just repetitive. And I think I remember him like recording it and just getting really into it. And he just started singing some lyrics. We were in a farmhouse when he he wrote it. We wrote it. And he was just <laughs> singing lyrics from the middle of one of my poems. Like he just grabbed lyrics without even thinking. And I think it was just because either his eyes fell on them or he just liked the sound of the words. And by the way, the timing of the red, red worm and the whole back of the worm thing was just a coincidence there. Uh, the two worms don't know each other. They're not the same worm, uh, <laughs> uh, but it's one of those uh, songs that obviously I don't think we, we spent a lot of time on, on lyrically. And so I never thought it would be such a favorite of Trey's or a band favorite or an audience favorite. So yes, yeah, so I was probably marginally surprised when this one started appearing regularly but twist on the other hand we spent forever perfecting and it was one of those we wrote it in one of the again uh 97 vermont farmhouse sessions and i remember going to bed after working on it like perfecting it i thought and and um waking up the next morning and trey was still working on it he had just figured out how to make the circular ending come around correctly and i woke up and i remember being blown away at how great the song sounded compared to the night before and trey he had finished it by staying up all night so so that one we we both loved and i was not at all surprised when that one dropped into the playlist wow but yeah but dom let me in turn now ask you um two shows into the tour on a night heavy on the on the funk the cow funk did it seem to you that fish was exploring kind of a new direction or focus or were they the same band that you you fell in love with um was, i don't i didn't really see that it was only two shows in so i you know they're coming off a pretty strong summer it didn't really seem like too much different than that but there were only two shows in like we still had dayton we still had mcnichols ghost we still had everything ahead of us so it it just sounded I couldn't really see a difference, to be honest with you. Like, gotcha. You know, some people could, but for me, it was just, it was amazing. <laughs> That's why I kept going back. I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't have been in Utah. Like, but, and it was also, just... Trey, was, Trey was wearing the Pepe Le Pew shirt that night. And people always say when he wears that shirt, it's going to be magic. I don't know why. It, it, I was, I thought that too, but now the internet says that, you know. And it, and <laughs> I just did <see> it. 
I think there's, there's some scientific uh, fact behind that. Um, Heavy's canceled. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, and I'm right there with you. I agree. And that when you're, you know, with any period of fish, when you're in it, it just, it, it, it's like watching a kid grow every single day. You don't, you know, like only in hindsight, do you see the, the, the changes, I guess. No, I don't dissect it like that either. I'm just, I go for, you know, the vibe and the music and stuff like that. I don't really, That's some, people, some people can dissect it, not me. Well, after this night uh, and a day off, the band rolls into Denver uh, for what is kind of a weird Tonight's stand weird because it's a Sunday and a Monday. Um, it came it became instant legend, and then you know they continued onwards into a tour where every subsequent night of of Fall '97 it was kind of like an instant legend, you know. So even though today's show we're focusing on the E Center, the E Center. <laughs> <laughs> what were uh, what were some of your other uh, Fall '97 highlights? Obviously, the ghost. And the, that's like the only thing I remember from McNichols, to be honest uh-huh. with you. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I went back and listened. Uh, Hampton, 1120, with the Mike song night, and the, the Isabella that night. There was, there was a lot of really good Black Eyed Katie's, obviously. That embodied that whole funk thing for me. That was like, you know, Black Eyed Katie was funk. So that, um, I liked Albany with the, the Bring Out the Dude show. That was the, the tour ender, right? There was some good stuff there. I mean, all that. With the Cleveland, I mean, there's so many good shows. It's really hard for me to, to pick one and not even remember. But yeah, there's a lot of highlights. I just said like that Mike song in Albany. The Mike song, the Hellish Comet, I think, or was in Hampton. There? You know, all those shows. I remember being in Hampton 97. Those, those were super good. Nice. So. Well, speaking of bringing out the dude, we brought out the dude who knows every single show of this tour. It's been uh, <laughs> it's been it's been fun to have you here, Don. One last question. So, um, because uh, this is the first time, actually, I think I heard this particular show, and there's probably many of people out there that might be able to say the same thing. Like like uh, Benji was saying, it kind of was a little bit off the radar. Uh, when you went back and re-listened, were there any surprises? Like, what's the what's the highlight that people have to listen to in this show? Um, I would say the the gumbo and and the slave to the traffic light. I didn't realize how how amazing that was. The gumbo and the slave will do it. Yeah, the gumbo and the slave, and you know, it's a bold as love encore. I want to say one thing: it's a bold as love. Um, I want to dedicate this podcast to my friend Tessa and Hunter. They had a baby Hendrix, so she loves she loves Jimi Hendrix. So the baby's baby. named Hendrix. Yeah, new baby in the fish community. Wow. <laughs> Welcome, Hendrix. That's, that is awesome. I don't think I've met a baby named or anyone named Hendrix. The girl. No, it's going to be a rock star. The parents are rock stars. So. No question. But, but, but yeah, that Slaves to the Traffic Light is probably does it for me. And the Piper. I love I love the slow intro Piper, and that's beautiful buildup. Well, that makes one of us. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you so much, Dom DeLuca, for joining us. And thanks, Dom, for re-meeting me after uh, all those time we all that time we spent together way so many years ago in the fish AOL fishbowl <laughs> chat room. Where I mean, this is like years and years and years ago, right? Twenty-five, um, seven, twenty. Yeah, twenty. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Probably right around this time we were we were in the fishbowl. And uh, thank <laughs> thanks to my co-host Benji Eisen for doing whatever it is that he does, and uh, <laughs> RJB just cause. And thanks to all of you listening, uh, and thanks to the Osiris team, especially Eric Limarenko and Matt Dwyer for making all this work from behind the scenes. And before switching to live fish, let me give a quick shout out 
to Cash or Trade, the world's only social network where fans buy, sell, and trade tickets at face value. Check out all the tickets at cashortrade.org. And you guys know what to do next. Listen to both nights of December 97. And don't make me tell you again, because when we return, we're going to tap the Rockies. So make the most of your day off Fall 97 tour tomorrow and blaze the most on. Thank you so much, Dom. And thank you, Benji. Peace out. Peace out. Osiris. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey you, do you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2 020-D.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app.